the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. We're here this morning. Uh, boy, what a nice morning here uh, on the WPTF Weekend Gardener. I'm Mike Crayley. Miss Clapp is uh, back with us this morning. I forgot to give you some headphones. <laughs> you can hear anyway right now, can't you? Yeah, okay, well, that's good. <laughs> you doing all right? I'm doing just fine. Have a nice time at the beach? It was a beautiful time. Yeah. And, and, uh, Do you have a cocktail? I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hurt animals. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a type of bird. Cockatiel. Yeah. Shrimp. Yeah, that's a shrimp. That's uh, the voice of uh, the esteemed co-host over there, Brother Rufus Edmonston, Esquire. Morning mm-hmm. to you, sir. Good morning. Good help if I turn get your microphone on there. See if we can hear you now. Can't hear him. There we go. All right. It's kind of shorting out, I think. Can't have that. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Is it unplugged? It's not unplugged. Everything seems. It didn't look to be. We'll we'll fix that. We'll fix that presently. Uh, Gerald Adams is, is with us. How you doing, Gerald? Thank you so much for coming. I'm doing good. I can't see if it is stupid monitor over here. <laughs> well, let me see my chair. Sit up a little higher. Chair <laughs> or maybe I can, I can sit up straight. Huh. Doctor would tell me to sit up straight. <laughs> so would Miss Bass in the second grade. 919-860-9783, 919-860-WPTF. And uh, we, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different things this morning, I think. Why don't we take a quick break, Sam, and, and see if we can fix the microphone so we can hear <laughs> Brother Rufus. We'll be back. For 40 years, it was the Tar Heel Gardener. And since then, the Weekend Gardener has invited you into their backyard. A WPTF tradition since 1945. All right, it's uh, 8.14. Let's see if, we, see if we can hear Rufus. Right, let's see if we're getting along here right Yeah, now. yeah. The night was like ice, so the fire felt nice. <laughs> did the fire feel nice? <laughs> Which grade now, that, did you learn that, that in? That was my high school English teacher. And you imagine... imagine uh, Teacher Bill Ross trying to teach these mountain boys how to say, the night was like ice, 
so the fire felt nice. Most of it came across the Nuzlocke ice so far felt nice. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right, uh, 919-860-9783. Why don't we go to Stephen Garner? He's early this morning. How you doing, Steve? Well, I just thought I'd be the first one up. All right, uh, so why not? I just wanted to remind everybody that our first day-lily meeting face-to-face is today in my garden. So uh, the public is welcome to come. Uh, my uh, address is on our website uh, under the name of my garden, just one more. Yeah. Well, you, uh, won't, you won't be coming to the garden alone like the old gardening him. gardening expert today. I, I got some daylilies, and this is a question I can't answer. I got some daylilies that didn't even scape this year. They're just beautiful foliage, but not a single scape, so I didn't get any blooms out of them. What can cause that? Hmm. Were, were they all in the same section? No, it's just one one clump in a section that fully bloomed. It was just the only one that didn't bloom. Just decided it, to be I mean, contrary. It didn't even scape up. It just, uh, I mean, a healthy-looking uh, clump of foliage, it just didn't have scapes. Uh, is there a, a, a mineral or something that, uh, forces uh, bloom. Well, I know the lack of nitrogen w- would probably help. Uh, yeah, the the only two times I can recall ever running into that is when I had separated and relocated some. That yeah, I, that was another one of my thoughts too. I, was I did dig this one up and divide it, and I guess it's recovering from trauma. Yeah, it's, it, I think that's a pretty good way to put it, Steve. Uh, sometimes it puts – it's kind of like a survival mode. It's put more emphasis in getting rerooted and back in the side uh, to surviving than it is reproducing. Yeah. Uh, so so the, I would think if the plant looks really good, that's most likely the case. And I have had them sometime when, when, when doing that – all of a sudden bloom at a much later time, unusual. Well, that's what I'm hoping is that we'll get some uh, bloom in September, I mean in August or September as a late, uh, late scape. So yeah. I'm, I'm just hoping. But I had one last year that I didn't touch it. I mean, I didn't divide it. I didn't do any. I just top-dressed it with some cow manure and uh, new mulch on it, and it didn't scape at all. But this year, it just came up by gangbusters. So yeah. maybe they just need every other – every so often they have to rest. <laughs> a, a, a little too much nitrogen can, can can slow down or prevent the bloom. Now, what's middle, too much, I, I couldn't tell you. The middle number is the one that, you, that promotes bloom, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I put a uh, 525 fertilizer on my garden, and it uh, – it was amazing what happened, but they also told me that you got to be careful about that middle number because it does stick around. It you, doesn't dissipate like nitrogen and uh, potash, the phosphorus. Yeah. Yes, that that is true, uh, but it also depends a little bit more on the plant. I, I, I think because uh, one daylily clump, a healthy one, can produce so many blooms, I think if you got down into the science of it, you might would find that they were using a little bit more of that than something else that you know made you know had a, just a few blooms on it or 
say even a peony, for instance, it's not that one clump's not going to produce the blooms that a, a healthy daylily clump of the same size. Well, I also um, want to thank you guys because I have had more visitors to my garden this year, and the uh, majority of them have been loyal WPTF weekend gardener uh-huh. listeners that say we we've heard you on the radio and we've been wanting to come and they came so. <laughs> Well, you know, it it's uh, it it really is like a family, Steve, and has become more so like that over the years. And uh, you've been a part of it for a, for a long time. You and your wife. I've been listening to you for probably twenty years. Yeah, you've been coming to our remotes for that long, at well, least. Yeah, and, and you're not doing them as often anymore. But no. I guess that's the, another side effect of COVID, right? Well, that that certainly didn't did not help us. Uh, and last, year. last week, uh, you had Nelsa on. No, you had uh, yeah, Nelsa. Campbell on, and she was talking about her uh, tomato, her her vegetable plants were free. Well, I got some and planted them, and I went by there yesterday, that, that afternoon and got me some tomato plants, and they are doing gangbusters right now. That's wonderful. I'm glad I was able to rescue a couple of them from her. There, <laughs> There's not a more giving person in this world than uh, Phil Campbell. Yeah, and no. from the <laughs> I mean, I think they're still giving them away. So if anybody's listening, want to drop by Campbell, uh, Campbell Road, they probably still have vegetable plants yeah. to give away. That's right. Well, That's Steve, right. let me ask you a question about my daylilies. Every one of them are doing well. However, they seem to have bloomed three to four weeks later than, than most years. That's because of the cold. Okay. Yeah, the, the, that cold snap we had when it got down into the 30s delayed everything. It delayed all my blooms, and it also shortened some of my scapes. The scapes, some of the plants developed early scapes, and they just didn't come out of the foliage. Okay. They finally bloomed, but the scapes didn't come out of the foliage. That explains so it then. It, the, 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 if, if you have a late cold snap, it can affect uh, the uh, daily growth habit, especially the bloom habit. But right now we had 100, I think my wife said we had 117 clumps in bloom, and they're not all yellow, so. (laughs) 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 But, you know, I like, I really like, uh, it's it's something I always encourage people to do is is plant the same color uh, or or at least mix a, a lot of colors together. Um, the, you know, the same color, a, a lot of red in the middle, a, a lot of yellow. It, it really is spectacular well, what to I see a lot what of. What we try to do is not only put the different colors together, but also the different textures. You've got mm-hmm. uh, spiders, uh, biscuits, uh, unusual forms, uh, curlies. I mean, there's all kinds of different textures. We've got smalls, mediums, larges. And we've got uh, two daylilies in my, I'm standing right next to, that are four and a half feet tall. Mm. Escapes on them. Uh, Milky Way and Challenger. They are really showy. They they stick out of the foliage. And we got them in the middle with little ones around it to give uh, a, a color. That's anyway, great. thank you for letting me talk to you guys. Uh, our Thanks website for calling. is uh, uh, Raleigh Daylily Club, and 
There's a drop-down screen on the left-hand side. If you drop down on that, you'll see Display Gardens. And if you click on that, my garden is called Just One More. And our address and phone number is there. Wow. We appreciate you calling always, Steve. Yep. Thank you for answering my question, too. Yes, sir. Bye. Be listening to you. All right. Appreciate it. 919-860-9783-822. 919-860-9783-822. Steve is in Sanford. Steve, good morning. You're on WPTF. Good morning. I have a uh, mop head type hydrangea that's probably five plus years old, and it's a gorgeous shrub. Um, it's probably five, five and a half feet tall, maybe eight feet across, but it has never bloomed, and I have no idea why because other hydrangeas in the area do bloom. Uh, can y'all give me some help with that? Well, I spoke of fertilizer. Too much fertilizer will uh, sometimes prevent a plant from from blooming. Gerald, do you uh, or Rufus or Ann, do you have any? Do, do you know which the the particular hydrangea it is? Do you know the cultivar or the type? Is no, it, sure. is it a, no, is sure. it a mop head? Yeah, he said a mop head. Like yeah, you normally would be pink or 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 blue. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm not even sure about that. Um, for some reason, my wife nor I can remember how, even where we got this one. How <laughs> physically big? What size is it now, height and width? It's about five, five and a half feet tall, maybe eight feet across. Wow. Uh, done, mm. done, done any kind of pruning to it? Uh, the only pruning I've done is uh, just dead stalks, uh, you know, after it's put out. And they obviously weren't going to, you know, leaf out. Uh, you know, just cut the dead stuff out of it. Um, I never have pruned it just to prune it back. Yeah, because that, that's, that's usually I, I, the biggest culprit. Yeah. Many of your older cultivars of hydrangea only bloom on old wood. So if you come right. in with a hedge trimmer and knock the top side of them every year, then you're you're getting that year's bud set uh, right. when you do that. I don't, trim, I don't trim any of my hydrangeas at all uh, except for late, late spring when uh, there's some dead pieces in there i take those out yeah that that that's a little puzzling i mean excessive nitrogen can cause a plant to put all its energy in growth and and not produce blooms but usually that typically you would have to keep supplying that nitrogen source just say you did too much one year it could affect last year but it should have the that uh fertilizer should be long gone by this year Right. Um, I never really have fertilized it. I, I used black cow when I initially planted it, uh-huh. and uh, maybe a, a year later I top-dressed it with some black cow. But other than that, I haven't put any fertilizer on it. Well, Steve, has, has it bloomed before? Do you know what it looks like? No, sir, it has never bloomed. I, I probably would try a, a bloom buster kind of fertilizer, even though it sounds like the height is really good. And that's going to be something that's like a 10, 30, 10. The, the middle number is going to be at least triple the first and last okay. number. Uh, th- that's about the only other solution. I had a friend one time who, when I asked him, are you fertilizing? He said no. But he had a Bermuda lawn that just was immaculate. In fact, he had one of these little small motorized reel mowers like golf courses use. And he fertilized the lawn every other week for about two months in the summer to get it so lush. And the spreader threw the fertilizer right over on top of his hydrangeas that were in a hedge on the left side. 
And I said, what do you well, you've, you're inadvertently fertilizing That's it. right. You're, every, you've, we you've, all do that. You've, you've put a ton to it when I went over and looked at it. He said, oh, I didn't think about that. Uh, so, yes, that's the only thing I can think of to give it because that's not a plant that you're looking for more sun to make bloom. No, not you know, unless lot, it's a limelight, maybe. Right. Lots of your other uh, you know, perennial plants sometimes won't bloom because they're not getting enough sun. But, you know, a hydrangea will bloom in, in heavy shade, and too much sun will not keep it from blooming. It could stress out the foliage a little bit. Yeah. So that that's about the only thing I can think to give a, give a try. Okay. I appreciate the information. Now, Steve, if uh, if you'd gotten that, gotten that plant from big bloomers, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> that's probably right. <laughs> and I don't think I got it from big bloomers. Oh, shame, shame, that's Steve. That's a bad thing. <laughs> I have plenty of other plants in my yard. I'm sure you have. But I hope this, uh, hope it works out. Maybe it'll bloom sometime, but keep trying. And, and let us know when it blooms. Okay, sure will. Thanks very much for your call. All right, thank you. Bye. We tend to over over fertilize a lot of things. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I like what he said about how you take care of the of pruning one. I never touch a thing until they bloomed, and I see what is a dead stalk, and that may that may depending on how what time the hydrangea blooms, it may be early, it may be late, but. I, I know some people just every year chop them down to the ground, and I, I said, "Look, you don't know what kind that is. You may be cutting off your blooms." Mm-hmm. That that happens a lot, and sometimes older stalks and hydrangeas can be slow to leaf out. Uh, you, you can have eighty percent of the stalks leaf out, and you think, "Oh, well, the other ones didn't leaf out; they must be dead." And I've seen them. Four, six weeks later, all of a sudden start to leaf yeah. out. So I tell people don't be anxious in the uh, late spring or early summer. Wait till you get on into summer good before you go in and take those those older dead stalks out. And hydrangeas will droop a lot of times. And we start watering them. It's not the water, the lack of water that's bothering them. It's the heat. Right. Isn't it, Gerald? Yeah, I kind of do like that, too. When it gets over 90 and humid, I droop. <laughs> well, I just blow up. Well, you're in a job where that, uh, boy, you really have to be careful, don't you? Uh, yes, because, I mean, and it's funny. Uh, a prime example was the earlier part of this week. You know, the morning started out pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, and you had better got your work done <laughs> early in the morning because all of a sudden after lunch, it's like you're in a, you know, a sauna. Oof. Well, yeah. that's why I'm headed to the hills. I need I need a refresher. I'm gonna go up there and get my refresher change. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's an always always a nice. I can remember being on uh, at Beach Mountain on top of Beach Mountain one summer around July fourth, and it was a hundred degrees in Raleigh. Oh, good. Job. And it was in the low seventies on Beach Mountain. Hmm. Blessed, blessed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we've got uh, more coming up here on WPTF. Two and a half hours. Craig LaHoulier is going to join us in the 10 o'clock hour. So plenty of tomatoes. We already got some maters. Brought in a Lance Toast Cheese or Nab Box. As Gerald said, the only thing better than than cheese crackers in that box would be these wonderful tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. More of the Weekend Gardener coming up here on WPTF.
Let's get back to the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. <laughs> we're, we're back on WPTF. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, happy birthday to you. Happy Rufus. Happy birthday, Rufus. Uh, Monday is Rufus's birthday. But uh, you had a big shindig on Thursday. Yeah, I appreciate you and Melissa coming. Yeah. Did the governor ever show up? No, he didn't show up. I think he was worried about the possible hurricane. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. We had so the attorney general there. Everybody else did. Yeah. Everybody else showed up, I'll tell you. It was quite. About 150 people there. And, yeah. And a very nice crowd. Just beautiful, beautiful. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I just appreciate the fact that. People wanted to, I think a lot of them were curious to see whether I was still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. You were really yeah. in your element yeah. there. I didn't, uh, you, I, I think you were speechifying when I left. And well, you, you met the whip. I met the whip. The whip saw me before I saw him. And I was so glad uh, it was like a long lost cousin or something. I, oh yeah, <laughs> it's like somebody had hadn't somebody I hadn't seen in a long time. You brought along the the sheriff of Alamance. Yeah, County. I mean the Alamance County contingent was there. Absolutely, and they, they always come to the Super Kids. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So we were, yeah we we saw uh, uh, let's see uh, our former sheriff. I Johnny saw Harrison Johnny Harrison was there. Uh, uh, Bob Etheridge. I saw a lot of a lot of people. Tom Campbell. Or Tom, Tom Campbell. Oh, Tom Campbell. Of course, yeah. Uh, one of my heroes. Yeah. And later, later after you left, the, our state auditor Beth Wood came, and former treasurer Janet Cowell, who who now runs Dick's Park. She's a great. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. She's in charge of that. Absolutely. Huh? Yeah, that's really going to be something when it's all all put together properly. It'll be a while. Yeah, I don't credit to former Mayor Nancy McFarland on that. She was there, too. Right. And uh, that was a dream that I never thought would happen. I never thought the state of North Carolina would give up Dick's Hill. Yeah. But at least they did for a great cause. That's right. They, they found a compromise, good compromise, yes. yeah. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. Gerald, I want to ask you about lawns. Uh, the fescue lawns have been looking fairly good this year because we've gotten all that rain. I suppose has that that helped a lot? It helps a tremendous amount. Uh, a lot of people don't realize in our normal temperature of summer and with our humidity, fescue really needs an inch of rain a week, uh, which is why it can be so difficult to grow if you don't have irrigation. Now, if the good Lord's going to provide the irrigation for you, that sure makes it a lot easier, uh, and that has certainly helped out a lot this year. But with that, as you're getting more water on it in our humidity, that makes it much easier for brown patch to get Mm -hmm. established. So you really have to keep an eye on it. I've long felt that if you're going to have fescue, you're better off to preventatively treat it with fungicides before you get the brown patch because it's much more difficult to get rid of it once you've gotten it. But you, that's something you really need to keep an eye out on because it can just destroy uh, a, a fescue lawn. How do you take care of it? How do you prevent it? How do you how do you treat it? Uh, well, they're now used to a lot of your older fungicides. It was just really aggravating. You had to 
you know, you had to put out something about every 10 days. But now with the new strobularin class of fungicides, there are products like Heritage that's good for a month. And really, it's uh, June, July, and August. So I used to treat mine first of June, first of July, first of August. Uh, and that will be enough to take care of you having a problem. Once you get past Labor Day, it's not impossible to see, but it's usually uh, not, not as much of an issue. Uh, and that should take care of your uh, having ever having brown patch in the first place. Now, that used to be a little pricey when that chemical first came out, but now it's available in a generic, which has dropped the price uh, a fair amount. But, I mean, do you, if you don't, then you're going to be in that reseed, reseed, so that's expensive too. So it's just a matter of, you know, it's, it's never going to be a cheap source of grass to have it looking good 12 months out of the year when you're growing fescue. Mm-hmm. Just bite the bullet and go ahead and do that. Now, if you can have a warm season grass and you need, I guess, enough sunlight for that is uh, the, the main problem. How do you go about that? How do you decide what to choose? There, there are several. Well, there's Zoysia, there's Bermuda, there's St. Augustine. A, a little bit of it's on your own preference, and that can vary. There are some people that like the thinner blades, and hybrid Bermuda Bermuda's very thin, and there are some Zoysias that have a very thin blade. Centipede is a wider blade, and, and there are uh, – some of your zoysias that have a, a wider blade. So it's kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm not there. I have a preference, but it may not be the same as yours. And also you're going to have to kind of look for what you like. I will say that there is one significant difference in general between Bermuda and zoysia. Bermuda is more trouble-free. Uh, zoysia can have grub issues. Uh, and in generally speaking, if you've got a pretty decent size yard of zoysia, you're probably going to have to do an insecticide treatment at the, at the season changes, coming out of spring in the summer, coming out of summer in the fall to knock the grubs out. But there's something about zoysia roots that grubs love. Hmm. Uh, you, you sometimes see them in other grasses, but I can assure you if you've got zoysia, it's just a matter of time before you see them where uh, that's generally speaking not as much of an issue with Bermuda. So if you're looking for the most – trouble-free, I don't have to do anything, I've got it established, aerate and fertilize it, you know, once or twice a year, then Bermuda is going to be a little bit easier uh, to grow. But there are lots of different zoysias now. There are lots of choices in zoysia. There's lots of great-looking zoysia lawns. I can't say anything bad about them other than you do have to be on the lookout uh, for the grubs. And, and, and people ask me, say, well, how do you know that you, you've got grubs? If you have a perfect-looking uh, lawn and all of a sudden you see places <clears throat> maybe the size of your hand or the size of a apple where the grass is dead, you, you go down and start pulling up the grass around it, and it's like, boom, the roots are gone. And the roots are gone because the grubs have eaten them and the grass has slowly died on top side. And, and that's pr- about a good of indicator as you see, the next indicator is put out some insecticide. There are lots of fertilizers you can put out that have the insecticide in it, and then you'll see a bunch of dead grubs up on top of the ground, <laughs> and that's when you know you really, <laughs> really have taken taken care of the issue. I don't think any grubs in my yard now because the entire yard is is full of mole hills, which I don't mind. Yeah, I noticed I noticed some mole hills in my yard this week. 
uh, which really doesn't bother me. I mean, I really don't have that much lawn area, and I think that's one reason I don't have uh, the Japanese beetle problem I used to have because no, I got a lot more plants. No food source for they, them. Yeah. So they they are, are not around, and uh, I don't mind the moles. They're after the, after the grubs, so yeah. I, I don't mind the, the lumps. Now, sometimes when you've got a high heel, it, it mows and leaves a little bit of scrape, but it'll grow back. Yeah. And you notice that more if you have a, a warm season grass. But people, some people just don't like those. Now, centipede is said to be the easiest to grow. Is it really the easiest uh, of warm season grasses? Well, it's maintenance. It, maintenance wise, probably yes, because it requires the least amount of fertilizer. Uh-huh. So, but I generally speaking, uh, it tends to be happier and, and sandier, loamier soils, which often is not the case here in Triangle, right. and that's why as you go from here down east and get to the coast, you clearly see it a lot more uh, down in sandier land. Uh, so in that regard, yes, it, it, it probably is the least amount of maintenance involved. In fact, you have to be careful with centipede about putting too much fertilizer to it because it leads to some other issues. Uh, but yes, for, for low maintenance, centipede's hard, hard, hard to beat in that regard. Needs a lot of sun usually, but there's someone in my neighborhood who has a well-established centipede lawn, and he has some growing. Uh, mind you, it's not as as thick as as what he has in full sun, but it's growing in the shade. Yeah, and and, I, and people ask me all the time. I'm, and same thing with tomatoes. Well, exactly how much sun do I need? Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell them lots of times. I said, well, six hours is a pretty good starting point, but you, it's difficult to measure. You know, some people don't realize how early the sun is hitting it. They don't uh-huh. realize if late in the day they're getting some 6 to 9 o'clock in the evening right. sun on it. Sometimes you just don't know when you're on the borderline till you give it a try. Mm-hmm. And it may very well be that a two-third stand of Bermuda is way better <laughs> looking than you thought it would have been. Uh, so, you know, ultimately you just – but six hours is what I normally tell people that you're going to need at least that much sun. But I have seen places that clearly I didn't think were getting that much and it was acceptable looking. So which grass variety needs the most sun and which needs uh, can do with the least sun? I, I think that it, generally speaking there's not a lot of difference in centipede zoysia and Bermuda. There are supposed to be some zoysia varieties out now that some of the golf courses are using, particularly on tee boxes – that are often stuck back in the woods that are getting less sun, that, that get by with less sun than Bermuda centipede. Uh, but St. Augustine is the warm season grass that can take by far the least amount of sun. And there's a Raleigh St. Augustine variety I have seen before growing in some places looking fine that maybe was getting, you know, a couple hours of, of sun a day. But that's a much wider blade, so... Google it or try to find somewhere, uh, and I don't know if Supersod out at the farmer's market has a plot of it. They've got I a bunch know. of little plots of different grasses out yeah. there uh, or not, but uh, take a look at it. It's, not everyone is going to love the coarse width of the blade, uh, but it is a warm season grass. You know, spreads by rhizomes and without question can be grown in the, in the you know, less sun than any of the other warm season grasses. Yeah, no doubt about it. What about root competition from trees? What grass, if any, is going to work the best? AstroTurf. 
Clover. Clover. Clover, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just really a, a big problem. And, and the problem is just, you know, magnified if you don't have irrigation. If you have irrigation, you can have a chance to get away with that, say with your fescue growing in the shade. But when you don't have irrigation, those big tree roots get to the water first and your poor little stuff just dries up. All right. I've, I've seen some people that will take a, a brick wall and cook, go up four or five feet around a tree, and I say, you're going to either have some flowers or you're going to have a tree, but not both of them. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. right. If you keep that up. That's yeah. right. More of the Weekend Gardener coming up on WPTF. You're listening to the longest-running gardening show on the radio. It's the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. All right, it's 8.51. Mike Rayley here along with Ann Clapp and Rufus Edmonston and Gerald Adams and Major Dave calling us from the hills of Virginia. How's a, what's the temperature up there this morning, Major Dave? Oh, Major Dave. Oh, did we lose Major Dave? I hope not. Can't do that. Can't hear him. Are we there? Hey, yeah. There we got you. You must have been in a dead spot. There was a mountain blocking you. It's in the low 70s here, sunny and beautiful. And by the way, happy birthday, Major Dave. I know you had a birthday. Was it Was it Friday or Thursday? Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Oh, well, happy birthday, uh, happy Dave! Birthday. I think happy I, birthday. I think I wished you happy birthday online, but on uh, Facebook. You did. Thank you very much. And yes, sir. You saw the picture of my birthday present. <laughs> yeah, tell us about that. Oh, we decided we're going to graduate from gardening to farming and bought a tractor. <laughs> oh my! What kind of tractor did you get, Major Dave? I got a Kubota yeah. uh, diesel. It's, uh, actually got the bucket on the front, the uh, excavator on the back with the thumb, and I'm getting the tiller attachment, of course, so I can turn my garden. But we want to double the size of this garden um, because I've got a – I can't believe the size of my tomato plants this year. And, I mean, the stalk thickness, some of my stalks are close to an inch in diameter. I don't know if Rufus wants to talk about that this morning. Yeah, I, got, <laughs> I got the wilt. <laughs> I'm I'm having trouble hearing Rufus. His microphone seems to be lower than everybody else's. Well, now, he's leaning now, back in now, his chair. Now, 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 I'm, now I'm getting up here. I said, my, my tomatoes have had the wilt. Ooh. Yeah. We've been blessed. No sign of diseases or curl or tobacco mosaic or anything this year so far. Thank the Lord. But I had a tomato pruning question for you. All right. Um, my better boys, which is an indeterminate, um, are in cages. I've trained them up, but many of them are putting out shoots at ground level that are coming out, and they're getting blossoms on them. And I don't know, should I prune those off to force more growth up higher and more fruit, or just let them go and um, produce whatever they produce? Generally speaking, more blooms, more fruit, more better. This would be the exception to that. If the plants are planted close enough together, or if you got them in rows or they're in beds, blocks, uh, because they're, they're in rows about three feet apart, uh, plants three feet apart, rows of four feet apart. If you're where you can still walk between the plants, then that's probably not going to be an issue. 
if you had them in a raised bed and you had like a block of where there were eight and, you know, a couple, three rows or something like that, and they were very close where you couldn't get between the plants, then I would say sometimes remove those suckers so air could get up under the plant to dry it out. Because one of the leading causes of many of your fungal diseases for tomatoes is that plant staying wet overnight in our humidity. It's like a lab for creating them. But long as air can get to either side of the plant okay, then leave those suckers, more blooms, more fruit, more happy. Okay, I've got soaker hoses that run up and down both sides of each row that are buried under the mulch. Mm-hmm. Very so good. So I can water without getting the leaves wet. Very good, You'll and you'll see a redu- reduction in disease when you do that. Well worth the money, time, and effort to install that. Okay, and, and a, a cross-pollination question, I've got bell peppers, I've got uh, mild jalapenos, I've got sweet banana peppers. How far apart is it recommended to kind of stay away from any cross-pollination issues? I have pl- 15 feet, 30 feet? or I have planted them side by side before, three foot apart. Oh, okay. uh, I, I mean, and this is what you'll find out. If you were wanting to get them to cross and you literally planted them every other plant, you might not see a single one that's uh, – it does not happen quite as much as you think. Uh, it would. Uh, I, I mean, I've, I've, for people that have had it be a problem, then I tell them, you know, get them 8 or 10 or 12 foot away. But right. I have literally planted them plant side by side where the leaves touched when, when they grew up, and it's just highly unusual to see, see it happen that much. Well, well just what happens when, when you have cross-pollination like that? What, what, what's the well, you'll get, a, you'll get a weird fruit. <laughs> you may get a bell pepper this hot. You may get a jalapeno pepper, look, I mean, look, in appearance-wise, uh, that has no heat to it. So uh, huh. it's not like – and sometimes, usually – it's going to take on the fruit shape of one or the other, but you'll lose the heat uh, factor or gain the heat factor is what you – I have had. I have seen bell peppers that normally would be sweet and they have, have the heat to well, them. Then, in other words, watch out if you plant a Carolina Reaper. Yeah. Then now, I, I probably wouldn't put the Carolina Reaper uh, plant to plant beside, but I have had them in raised beds where literally they don't want six-foot separation from – a uh, Carolina Reaper in one bed and a bell pepper in another bed, and off the top of my head, I can't think of a single time that I that I've had a cross pollination effort. It can well, happen, but it's not as common as you think it would be. Well, I asked that because last year when I was did a lot of container gardening, I had zucchini squash and yellow squash next to each other, and I was getting fruits that had almost a watermelon looking rind on the top of it that should have been yellow squash. Yeah, and part of the issue with that, for whatever reason, we've well, there's lots of reasons, and it take the rest of the show to talk about it. But people are having because of lack of pollinators. You know, your squash have male and female blooms, so you've got to have an insect do that cross for you, uh, right. or you've got to do it by hand. And sometimes you, you, because of what different weather things, you'll see one plant just doesn't have many female blooms and another one doesn't have many male blooms. So it's easier for those insects to do those crosses and not the type that you want. Uh, so that I, I don't, 
people talk about the honeybee decline and all this, I can tell you it's a fact because I get way more of that very question. Oh, I've, I've, I've got lots of squash blooms, but they're not fruiting. Uh, right. And that in the last uh, 10 years and especially the last five years is one uh, – that and squash vine borer are the two biggest squash questions I get. My plants look great, and I see blooms, but where are my fruit? And it's just simply because of uh, there are just not as many pollinators out there as it used to be. Well, out of 30 squash plants right now, we're probably getting five pounds a day. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think that's a problem. But a lot, you're, a lot you're of trying to grow for quantity. Today, a lot of giveaways. That, exactly. We're keeping the food banks and the um, homeless shelter stocked up this year and a happy birthday again to rufus and as always i know what i know because i listen to the show (laughs) (laughs) thank you major dave for cooling us off this morning from the hills of virginia (laughs) enjoy listening thank you so much appreciate it major dave yeah up there in old virginia nice and cool this morning more of the weekend gardener rufus is heading that way not that way but uh, up to boone uh boone area they're going to erect a statue to you? Well, I think not. They're going they all to. I'm going to see if they let me stay in town for a while. All right. More of the weekend, Gardner, coming up. It's uh, almost time for news.